listening to From the Friars podcast, the community of Franciscan Friars, the Renewal, headquartered in the Bronx, New York City. Good morning. May the Lord give you his peace. We have the story of the multiplication of the loaves and fishes. And for those of us who have been uh, able to make the pilgrimage to the Holy Land, you just, you know, you remember where this happened and you can just see the, um, the scenery and everything. It's right, it's just amazing. And um, what a gift. And you know, everything Jesus did, uh, not only what he taught, but the things he did, uh, also taught about him. So this multiplication of the loaves and the fishes had uh, a meaning beyond itself. It had to do with himself, uh, a teaching about himself as the Messiah, as our Lord and Savior. We know that there's a, certainly an Old Testament background to this miracle. They're in a deserted place and the children of Israel were wandering in the desert they were hungry and had no food, and then there was the manna, the bread from heaven that God had provided. That whole thing is the background here, um, and that Jesus himself is the fulfillment of that manna. I think it's, uh, it's safe to say as well that somehow this points to the Eucharist, the, the daily bread that he gives us that is himself, is this, this Eucharist that we receive at Holy Mass, his body and blood. And um, so there's a lot going on there. And uh, but I'd like to stretch the, if I could, to, to maybe stretch the meaning of maybe one step even further. And um, kind of an interesting thought that came to me in my meditation this morning. So uh, you can let me know if this works or if I'm just completely off base here. Okay. Um, I was thinking about um, St. Scholastica, who's today's saint. You usually think of her in terms of her brother, St. Benedict. So you have Benedict and Scholastica. And you have Francis and Claire. Yeah, Catherine of Siena and Thomas Aquinas. There's, there's a lot of these kind of couples that in different religious families, John of the Cross, Teresa of Avila for the Carmelites, etc., etc. And I was thinking um, that in some way, the fruitfulness of these, the lives of these saints continues even after they die. And um, so even for those of us who are here, I was waiting for the bell. There it is. I think you all know I, I have a hard time preaching all the bells going, so okay, we just let it ring. Ernest Hemingway would love that, right? For whom the bell tolls, okay. Um, all right, so here's the setup. Here's the setup. Do you know why there are two judgments for every person. There is the particular judgment at the moment of your death. You go before God, you give an account to God for the life that you've lived. But then at the end of time, when Jesus comes again in glory, and everyone who has ever lived will be resurrected, and all of humanity will be before Jesus together. Uh, And then there will be what's called the general judgment at the end of time. Why are there two judgments? You know, what, what does that mean? The best explanation I've ever heard is that your particular judgment at the moment of your death, you know, gives you, you know, the judgment, how you're responsible for your life. And 
It's either heaven, hell, or purgatory. Those in purgatory are just being purified on their way to heaven. Um, but the general judgment, the end of time, also takes note of the furthest, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? The furthest effect of your life. So when St. Francis died in 1226, he gave an account to God for his life. But here we are over 800 years later, and those of us who have a Franciscan vocation, we are in a very special way being impacted by his life. We're being impacted by his, yes, it's like his, the fruitfulness of his life is still happening, even though he's died and he's on the other side now. And of course the saints pray for us from the other side, but it's like um, at the end of time, at the general judgment, St. Paul says that at that day, everyone will receive their praise from God. So St. Francis, you know, we, in some ways, we will thank St. Francis that somehow the grace that came into the world through his life, through his yes, through his vocation, still bore fruit all these years later in our lives so that somehow we have a spiritual debt of gratitude as we, it's, um, and that the general judgment, God will praise St. Francis even more than the praise that he got when he died. And that's powerful, huh? It's, it's why there's two judgments. It's the best explanation I've heard. It's kind of hinted at in the catechism there. And it's almost like spiritual DNA. So I was thinking this morning, you know, you've got two parents, you've got four grandparents, you've got eight great-grandparents, you've got 16 great-great-grandparents. Every once in a while, somebody knew their great-great-grandparents, and then the math just keeps going, right? And that Genetically speaking, physically speaking, we literally come into, you know, existence somehow through their administration, right? Some of the movies have played on that, right? Back to the Future, he goes in the time machine and if his parents don't fall in love and get married and have, you know, his dad, his grandparents, then um, he will cease to exist, right? He's got the picture of himself and it's starting to disappear and he's like, ah. So there is something there on the spiritual realm, the, the fruitfulness of, um, of, your, of our lives and the way that we struggle to live this life and cooperate with grace and that, that somehow there will be a spiritual legacy that we all leave behind, a fruitfulness. And uh, so I often find myself praying for all the peoples whose confessions I've ever heard. That I administered his mercy as a priest, you know, all those people. If you ever went to confession to me, you get prayed for, you know, all the people who've ever heard me preach breaking open the bread of God's word, you know, the ministry of preaching, and who maybe grace had come to people through my ministry of preaching. Like there's a legacy there that, that has, the way grace has come into the world. Um, so I want to compare that now to the multiplication of the loaves. Now, they're out there, they're hungry, there's a need, and Jesus could have done a number of different things. What if, let's play the what if game for a minute. It's going to help us bring into relief what he actually did. What if he had changed the rocks into, into loaves? Right? Earlier in his life when he was tempted by the devil, there was a suggestion, turn these rocks into loaves. He didn't do that. Or what if he would have had a miraculous fall of manna? It would have looked like it was snowing, but it was actually manna like the Old Testament. Gather it up and eat it. No, he didn't do that. He took the the loaves and the fishes that already existed. He could have even just miraculously made like, everybody close your eyes and he said a prayer and like open your eyes and boom, in your lap, there was loaves and fishes to eat. Like he could have done that, you know, like a magician, but no. He took 
the loaves and fishes that already existed, he prayed, blessed, and broke from that so that it's a multiplication. Uh, somehow, the more pieces that were broken off and given, it didn't diminish. You know, like, and um, so I think there's something there for us as well that um, for every mouthful of bread or fish that people were eating, that it somehow kind of came from and grew from this original deposit. And I think there's something there for also for the, the theology of grace, the, theology, you know, the spiritual life, that there's this multiplication, this fruitfulness that happens. Even, you know, we can even see ourselves in that light. I mean, if Jesus is the bread of life and that, that, uh, that uh, every Eucharist that's received at every Mass in every era of history is somehow coming from that Last Supper in a manner similar to this multiplication of loaves. Like, um, was it St. Jerome had this, this thing about the, the wine that was multiplied, the wine that was water made into wine at Cana, and he's like, that was a lot of wine. Like, what happened to all that wine? You know, and he says, we're still drinking from it at every Eucharist. You know, like there was a spiritual understanding. And um, that could also be said for us, brothers, you know, just as natural life comes into being through people, like when you get to heaven, you're going to thank your parents, you're going to thank your grandparents, you're going to thank your great-grandparents. You're going to thank your great-great-grandparents. You're going to thank your great-great-great-grandparents and your great-great-great-great-grandparents. And, you know, like, you're going to meet these people that, like, if any of them had not gotten together and had children and a lot, you wouldn't have, the, you know, would have been there. There's a spiritual thing there as well. That uh, all the graces that have come into the world, the graces that have come into our own life, tracing that all the way back to the original loaf and the original fish, which is Christ himself. But it's, um, it's multiplied through time through every person who says yes to grace. And uh, that's why the general judgment at the end of time will be giving thanks to St. Francis that, you know, in some ways, you know, the bread that we've eaten has come through him, through his life as well. It's like a Eucharistic, sacramental, spiritual lens through which we see history and then we see our own lives in that same lens as well you know that we are to be like a loaf of bread that is somehow blessed and taken and broken and then given to others like the grace that comes through us to others this gives life gives nourishment you know spiritually like bread does physically you know so there's that's the sign value it's pointing to something deeper than just itself and uh, so that's a little meditation I had this morning the takeaway would be Two, number one, to become thankful for all the many people that, that God's grace has come through to help us, whether it be our parents, whether it be our friends, our loved ones, those who've ministered to us, those who've prayed for us. There's this huge debt of gratitude. And then number two, to be more uh, zealous in our own life, to, to cooperate with grace and to be open and to be uh, a conduit through which God's grace comes into the world, you know, through our prayer, through our ministry, through our struggles. And uh, so that's the grace we pray for this day. Amen. You've been listening to From the Friars podcast, the community of Franciscan Friars, The Renewal. Please visit us at franciscanfriars.com or on social media, CFR underscore Franciscans.